Well, welcome everybody to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you to lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. I'm Bridget Tyre, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful, charismatic Irvin Nugent. <laughs> you can't see this, but he just had quite the expression when I said charismatic. Irvin, <laughs> uh, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Bridget. Wow. It's it's always good to be called charismatic, I think. Life is good. And in fact, as you listen to this, uh, we need to say to our listeners, Happy New Year, because you'll be listening to this. Although we're recording it at the end of 2023, you will be listening to this and it will be 2024. Hard to believe we are wow. in a new year. That is something. Yeah. yeah. All right. How are we going to start this new year off, Bridget? And yeah. what's today's topic? Well, first of all, I must just say, remember a couple of episodes ago, we talked about what is your superpower. And, you know, part of your, your superpower is your charisma. So just saying. Mm, yeah. Okay. Now for today, we are going to be focusing on communication and in particular, how to become a more potent communicator. So regardless of you know, to our listeners, what your role is, your title, your level of experience, where you sit in your organization, et cetera, et cetera. Your ability to communicate powerfully is an essential leadership skill and it's an essential life skill, is it not? Yeah. And perhaps some of our listeners are already really good communicators, but who among us doesn't want to get even better? Sure. So in this episode, here's what we're going to do. We are going to share three simple, but I think very impactful practices for becoming an even better communicator. And the good news is these are practices that every single one of us can actually grab hold of and do. They're within reach. And as we do them, the good news is we get better over time. Mm -hmm. So Irvin, that's what we're talking about today. But you know... At the beginning of every single episode, we say that the purpose of this podcast, right, is to help our leaders, to help our listeners become the kind of leaders that embody greater clarity, calm, and conviction, even when the world around them is uncertain and changing. And I'm just curious what connections you might make between that aim of our podcast and this topic today. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think there's some great connections there, you know. So I think first of all, you know, when we are anxious, I think we do want to hear voices that will help us. And I think we want voices that will first of all give us a sense of clarity because we get mixed up. And I think in communication, clarity is so incredibly important. We're going to get into this in a little bit, but you know, I mean, as I work with with people and I do quite a bit of presentation coaching. I think clarity is a huge thing. People who don't have clarity in what they are trying to say, it comes out as a jumble and people just don't follow them. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is I think people really respond to enthusiasm. You know, they respond to conviction, you know, show me you care, show me that you have conviction around this. And so I think emotionality within our communication is really important. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, of course, is a calmness. Can I present and be a presence that is calm as well. And all of that it has to do with communication. So I think the three of those are intimately linked with this topic today. 
So maybe let's uh, dive into this first practice. We've got three practices. What's the the first and, and how can it help us communicate the greater power? All right, let's get right to it. So the first practice is this. Connect your message to what others care about most. So in other words, we have to find ways of linking what we want to say to what others want to hear. Mm. What everybody wants to hear is someone who is speaking into our genuine cares, our concerns, what keeps us up at night, what are our hopes, our dreams, and our aspirations. All the great communicators, past and present, do this so naturally and beautifully. You can tell a great communicator because they know their audience, right? They know what their listeners care about. And, you know, that listening, by the way, is a precursor to this practice. You have to have listened to people to know what they care about. And because they've done that, they're able to communicate in a way that creates an opening and a receptivity to their Mm -hmm. messaging, right? So that's the first practice. So Irvin, can you think of some leaders, either past or present, that you think did this particularly well? I'm going to point to two leaders, one well-known and one is well-known, but perhaps people don't know them. But uh, So the first one is, and we just celebrated 10 years of his passing, and that's Nelson Mandela. Mm. And what's interesting about Nelson Mandela is that I thought what he did so well is that he helped people connect to their own hopes and aspirations. You know, there's a quote that I love of his, which says, you know, may your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears. Mm. And you know what I think about, you know, he came at a time when South Africa was transitioning and that could have gone anywhere. It could have gone into violence or it could have gone into a peaceful transition. And I think what he helped people, he understood the concerns, the fears, he understood the hurts, and he was able in a way to to invite people to imagine a, a future of connection, a future of peace, and a future mm-hmm. of prosperity. And, you know, and he did that so beautifully well. And, you know, you cannot help but listen to him and be moved. And yes. so he just automatically came to mind. Mm-hmm. And then a second one from industry was probably one of the first really powerful women CEOs to lead a top fortune company, and that was Indra Nuri. And she was CEO of Pepsi-Cola at a time when very few executives were were male. And she was before her time because, you know, and she's only retired, you know, I, I think within the last 10 years, but she really created a culture which people now refer to as a democratic culture, a listening culture, a culture mm. based in compassion and well-being. She was really ahead of the whole, you know, now we've talked about employee well-being and, and, and leaders need to know they need to ask that. She was before that. She, she actually was talking to employees. She was known as a listener, as someone of compassion yeah. that really was able to put her finger on the pulse of what was happening. I, I really think she's a wonderful model, not just for women, but I think a wonderful model as well for, for all leadership. Oh, gosh, I love that. I mean, I have not heard of her. Say her name again, Irvin. Indra Nuri. Oh, what a really interesting yeah. example. Definitely ahead of her time. And then, of course, Nelson Mandela. I mean, what you described about him is just such a beautiful example of speaking into the cares and concerns and hopes for a better mm. future, right? Yeah. 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 
So, Bridget, these are well-known. Well, maybe Indra's not so well-known, but I encourage people to, to research a little bit. But everyday leaders, what might they do as well to really embrace this first practice? Yeah. So, of course, I always worry when I ask that question, like, can you think of some, you know, famous leaders? Because then people are like, well, I'm no Nelson Mandela, you know. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, we communicate all day long. And what that means is that each and every one of us have many opportunities throughout the day to frame our messages in the context of what people care about. Remember, that's the first practice. Connect what you want to say to what others care about most. Mm -hmm. And we are communicating all day long through texts, emails, on Slack, Teams, Zoom calls, phone calls, team meetings. I mean, this is what we do all day long. And so the idea here is to step back a bit from all of that communicating and reflect a bit more on who are we communicating to? Mm. That might be our boss, it might be a client, it might be a colleague. But the question we need to ask ourselves as we're communicating is twofold. First, all right, I'm sending an email or I'm on a meeting with somebody what is this person up against and what do they care about most? You just ask yourself that. And then that helps you to frame or tailor your message. So that's the second part of the question. What are they up against and what do they care about? But how can I tailor my message so it really speaks to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to share an example, Irvin, that you and I are both going to relate to because we're coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So when we were trained to do this. But let's say you're coaching somebody. Now, our listeners, if you're a manager, you're an internal coach. So this applies to you too, right? Maybe you're a mentor of somebody. But we were trained, Irvin, that that when we wanted to introduce something to a client in a coaching context, like maybe a practice, let's say, we don't just introduce it because we're in love with it. We think it's so cool. You know, we introduce it in a way that is connected to what that client really cares about and what they're trying to accomplish. And so we give it context that speaks to them. So let's say I wanted to introduce six second centering, which I did recently with a client. And it was a little, I thought, hmm, I wonder, I wonder about this person's receptivity to this practice that we've talked about on this podcast, six second centering. But because I asked myself the question, well, why am I going to introduce this? How is this going to help this person? lean into a challenge they have or accomplish something they care deeply about. And you know what? I framed it just like that. I connected to something he cares deeply about. And you know what? The listening was right there and and he took it on as a practice. So that's kind of a everyday example. And then I think another everyday example, of course, is emails, right? When you write an email, and we write them all day long. And people tell me, Irvin, I don't know if your clients tell you this, but they get sometimes upwards of a couple hundred emails a day, which is yeah. bizarre. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But how can we pause there and be more thoughtful in certain instances and just ask ourselves that question and say, all right, what does this person really want to hear? What do they want to hear? Not what do I want to tell them? I want to send them this long email with all this stuff. And then at the end is the question. And they're like, you know, ticked off that they had to read this long thing because we're not tuning into and framing our message for them. So we yeah. don't create a listening, right? Yeah. So what do you think, Irvin? What are some everyday 
kinds of communication where we can put this to practice besides those two examples? Let me just a couple come to mind. One is like when you're giving a presentation, I always like to say to people, you know, one of the first things when you're crafting a presentation and you are, are talking to people is very early on, at the very beginning, you have an opportunity to either connect or disconnect. And I think one of the things that's really important is to answer the WIFM question. If you don't know what the WIFM is, W-I-F-M, is what's in it for me? You really have to present to people that I am going to share with you. It's like you said, I'm not going to share because I'm just, it's, it's how wonderful I am, but I'm sharing information that has importance for you. And you do that by telling people, well, what's in it for me? There's, there's something you are going to get by listening. And I think that helps people connect. And it's also very much what we've been talking about is people's cares, concerns, et cetera. The other thing is sometimes you may have to pitch an idea, et cetera. And we've, we've said this before, but I think, you know, an idea as well should be an answer to some form of problem. Hmm. Where's this idea coming from and what problems is it going to, to solve? Because if you're going to a boss, a client, or a family member, and you're going to say, hey, I've got an idea because it answers this, and you know how it's been a problem, people go, oh, tell me, yes, I want this to be solved. So you may connect it to the problem that, that it's solving. And then the final one is, you know, sometimes we make decisions and we have to communicate a decision. Mm-hmm. And I think here's where I'll, I'll go as well about but clarity about why the decision was made the way it was made and connect that to how this decision is actually, once again, answering a problem and is going to make life a little bit better for us. It's, so in mm-hmm. other words, it's, it's really connecting with, with those and showing that we have listened and we're responding. Yeah. And the bottom line, of course, is unless we have listened, we can't yeah. do this. So. Correct. You know, connecting what you are saying to what others care about assumes that you have done some pretty good deep listening to those stakeholders of yours. And if not, that's its own practice right there. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully then we're thinking about what form of communication on a daily basis might I sort of step back a little bit and ask that question about how do I frame this in a context that connects to what others care about? All right. Yeah. Well, we said we were going to share three practices. That's one. So Irvin, what's the second? So a second practice is called the rule of three. Now, you may well think that it is the responsibility of other people to understand what you are speaking about. And that <laughs> is not their responsibility. It is our responsibility as the presenter or the speaker, to make things understandable and to create life easier for them. And so one of the ways we can do this is called through the rule of three. And that is that our brains like patterns. And this rule of three came out in Bell Laboratories many years ago, and the scientists discovered that the smallest pattern in the human brain is sets of three. And because of that, uh, we hone in on it and it enhances both our retention and recall. I remember the process of communication is to understand, retain, and recall. And so if someone's walking out of a room and you've given a presentation and someone stops them and says, hey, what was the person, what was Irvin talking about? Is it, oh, I haven't a clue. They're <laughs> more likely to say if there's three points and we emphasize those, people are more likely to retain that. 
So we're giving them reasons for buying something, for trying something out, et cetera. You know, I've been in a presentation with, today we're going to talk about the 14 things. And just like, <laughs> the brain just says, no, I can't cope with that. And of course, yeah. what we have to do. And you know, when you look around it, naturally with everything that we do and say, people have caught on to this. So we have blood, sweat, and tears. We have lights, camera, action. Within our own declaration of independence, we have a famous three, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have movies like The Three Musketeers. <laughs> During the holidays, we, have, we, we talk about The Three Wise Men. We have Charlie's Angels, Three Angels. <laughs> It's all gotten to this rule of three. You know, even like I do quite a bit of keynote and that's a 60 minute speech. And so I do that in three. I have a group of three. It's three points. Yeah. And in each of those points, I'm expanding it, but it's just three so that people can remember. So remember, it is our duty to structure our communication in a way that helps people remember. And one of the most powerful ways of doing that is the rule of three. So does that resonate with you, Bridget? Oh, yeah, it certainly does. And it's funny that you say when you do a keynote, you use three points because I do the same thing. Mm. I mean, every presentation I do, whether it's one hour or five hours, I'm thinking about the rule of three and I'm organizing my slides according to the rule of three, you know. But one of the ways I've been using this as a as a coach is that when I listen to my clients, let's say one of their goals is to communicate their vision more clearly and persuasively. And so I'll be listening to them and I'm listening for their vision. And I might even say, hey, just off the top of your head, tell me about your vision. What is it? And what I'm listening for are of everything they say, what are the three juiciest nuggets? What are the three things that are landing for me the best? Or what are the three things they seem most convicted by? And I share that back with them. Mm -hmm. And I say, hey, this is what I hear. I think your vision is. And then they're like, wow, I didn't even think I had a vision. (laughs) And then I tell them about the rule of three, you know, you got three things and you can share your vision in, in these three very easy to communicate ideas and off they go and running. So I love the rule of three. I find it so, so helpful. Absolutely. So we've talked about the importance of connecting to the message of what others care about the most. We've just talked about the rule of three that will make us a little crispier in our communication. So what's the, we promised our listeners three tools. So what's the third? <laughs> we're using the rule of three. And we we're using the rule of three as we speak. And we have this entire time because every podcast episode, we have three ideas. Yeah. Okay. We like to practice what we preach. So final idea to share final practice for being a more potent communicator is to master the art of bottom lining it. Mm. So what is that about? Well, that's about being concise and succinct in our communication. And I don't think this is easy for everybody. And Mm. I got to say, when I was first starting out my career, it wasn't easy for me. And I had a boss and I'll always remember him. Who knows? Maybe I've mentioned him before. His name was Bob Lamb. And I was 23. It was my first job. And when I would walk into his office, he wouldn't even lift his head up. He'd be writing and he could tell I had come in, but he would just wait and I'd say something. And then whatever I said, he would say, Bridget, in 10 words or less, like a telegram, what are you trying to tell me? Mm. And so he literally said that every single time. And he taught me (laughs) how to bottom line it. And I Mm. owe him a debt for that. 
You know, in this day and age, I consider bottom lining to be a little bit of a lost art form. I don't know about you, Irvin, but I feel like because we've become so inundated with information and texts and, and distractions and we're on overload, I don't, and we're running to meeting after meeting with no break. I don't think we're very disciplined no. with our speech. Yeah. Have you noticed that too? Oh, absolutely. You know, I often say when I'm, I'm doing some communication coaching with people, in reality, it is much easier to talk for 20 minutes than it is for three. Much easier. Because in 20 minutes, you don't have choices to make. But when you have three minutes, you have choices to make and you have to be succinct and you have to choose. And actually, this is an incredibly important skill because the further up you speak, and especially if you're speaking to an executive level team, yes, you do not get a lot of time. You don't get an hour. You don't get 20. Often you get a minute or two minutes or three minutes tops. And so therefore, this becomes imperative to really be succinct in that communication. You know, I have funny sometimes. If I find people wandering, I'll, I'll say to them, land the plane, the plane <laughs> preparing for landing, just land it, get, get there. And I think it's very important. So I, I think it does take practice. And I think, you know, this, this practice, if I, if I had to say everything, maybe 10 words is very difficult, but certainly, you know, if I had to summarize what I'm saying in two or three sentences, that's a really good discipline mm-hmm. because it really gets to what is the core element? What is the most important thing that I'm saying? Yeah, I love your point about the higher up we go and the higher up our audiences are, the more this skill becomes paramount. Yeah. And it actually gives us so much credibility if we can be succinct and concise. All right, so let's talk about some different places and ways that we can practice bottom lining it, you know? So, a great place to use it is in a meeting when the conversation has stalled, right? It's gotten a little off track and we all have experienced that. And so how can we use the art of bottom lining to bring it back? It might sound something like this. You know, I think we are spinning our wheels a bit and we we're rehashing some things that are really not on our agenda for today. The bottom line is we have a half an hour left and we need to identify a next step for communicating and rolling out this new policy. So who has a suggestion? Now, in that example, we actually say the bottom line, but we don't necessarily have to say the bottom line when we're doing it. So imagine that you're in a conversation and you're listening to somebody. Maybe it's an employee who reports to you. Maybe it's somebody that you know could be a good friend or whatever, and they're talking about their work. And you, you're listening to this sense of dissatisfaction and all this stuff. And you sense that there's a moment here where if you bottom line it for them, it's going to provide clarity and perhaps an insight that allows them to move forward. So it might sound like this. Hey, it sounds to me like the core issue is that you are feeling restless. You know, you're feeling unfulfilled in your current role and you're ready for a new challenge. Tell me what that might look like for you. Mm -hmm. And then boom, they're like ready to enter into perhaps, right? The next phase of that, that conversation. We can also use bottom lining. Here's why I think it's so helpful is when we have to prepare for a feedback conversation with somebody. And I know, Irvin, you've coached many a people around this. And when you listen to leaders who are going to have to have a feedback conversation where they have to give maybe some negative feedback, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned like five things and, you know, it's just not going to be heard. 
And so how can you bottom line the feedback succinctly? And that might sound something like this. Hey, you know, I really need and expect you to speak up more during our executive team meetings. We need your insight and your voice at the table. What do you think might be getting in your way? Yeah. That's pretty succinct, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts, Irvin, as you were listening to me? Yeah, I, I love these examples. I, you know, I, I love the example of mid-meeting, you know, kind of really getting it back on track. I think another example would be end of meeting as well. These are great opportunities to, you know, kind of, so here we've been speaking for 45 minutes. What's the summary of this meeting? You know, very often we don't do that. Very often we kind of go into, well, next steps, who's got this step or that step. And we really then don't summarize the meeting. And I think that's really helpful because people will remember certain things, but if you can really bottom line what a meeting was about, people will leave that meeting and say, okay, that's really, and you know, at times, how many times you walk away from a meeting? Well, that was about nothing. So I think, you know, if we're able to walk away, that's, this is really at the core of what this meeting was about. That can be really helpful. Yeah. And when we talk about communication, and that's the, that's what we're talking about, communication is about building shared understanding. It's yeah. not about just sending a message. Yeah. We can do that by ourselves. So bottom lining helps us to get on the same page with people. Yeah. And I want to go back to what you said earlier about anxiety and about why clarity of communication is so important. And it's really simple. A clear leader is a calming leader. And a leader who is all over the place and is hard to follow creates anxiety for folks, right? It's like, what did they say? What did they mean? They just said that, but then they contradicted themselves with this thing, you know? Okay. So, hey, Urban, I have an idea. Why don't you bottom line this episode for us with a practice? Pressure is on. Land the plane. Land the plane. Here we go. We're coming to the plane. I love it. Well, you know, we've been talking about practice the whole episode. And in many ways, you know, communication is all about practice. So let's not just add an extra practice. Let's invite our listeners to really think about these three practices we've talked about today. First one, connect your message to what others care about. Second, practice the rule of three. And the third, we just talked about mastering the art of bottom line. And so just think about in your communication, which one of those could you focus on? Could you practice and get improve in? And then the second thing is, can you come up with two or three situations where you might be able to use it? Maybe it, you've got an upcoming presentation. So maybe you might begin to structure that a little bit differently and use the rule of three. Or maybe you've got a, a meeting coming up and uh, you could use it there or a feedback session. And what's really the most core idea? The bottom, how can I bottom line this? Or maybe you've got a conversation about a change initiative that's coming in. And so therefore, how can I listen to people so that that message as I present the change is really conveying that we're really caring about what people care about the most? Mm, love it. Pick one and get particular and specific about when and where you're going to practice it. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be a more potent communicator. Absolutely. Well, Irvin, thank you so much, as always, for engaging in this conversation. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope that you got something out of this that you feel is going to take your communication skills to a new level. And as you said, Irvin, as we move forward in our careers, and we experience things like promotions and we get more responsibilities. 
the clearer we can be, the more credible we become. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation, Bridget. I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening. Until the next episode, take care. Goodbye, everybody.